Interoperable Services, a universal messaging protocol. When using my mobile, I don't need to know what phone provider you're with. I could be with Telstra, you could be with Optus, and we can still communicate. Imagine what it would be like if that wasn't possible. We'd likely have one dominant service which everyone used so they could communicate with everyone they meet. This is where we are currently at with social media platforms. If you're on Facebook, you can only communicate with your friends on the same platform. This is intentional. It helps them build a defensive network effect where it's really difficult for people to leave. Facebook has recently dabbled with interoperability with Instagram, but it kind of defeats the purpose as both of them are owned by the same organization. Defensive networks. This defensive network effect gives social media platforms a lot of power over their consumers. For example, if their communications were interoperable with other services, I wouldn't need to stick around if I wanted to remain in contact with a large portion of my social circle. Instead, I could migrate to another platform that wasn't using my data to manipulate me, and I could still communicate with all my friends that stayed. Over time, this would lead to more ethical practices within social media landscape. As users, would be able to vote with their feet more easily and decide what platforms aligned with their values. This isn't a particularly new idea either. Email is based on a shared protocol too. It would be like if Gmail forced all of their users to only send emails to other people who have Gmail. How will an open network compete with a closed one? The way I see it, there are two main ways to grow an interoperable network. First, regulation. Telecommunication companies are required by law to communicate with one another. Open banking was enforced to give consumers more options to switch who they bank with. But unfortunately, we currently don't have regulation around how social media must communicate with one another. One of the routes to getting here is through regulation. However, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. The second is the rising tide of interconnectivity. In the early days of the internet, a vast amount of software was closed source. Big corporations like Microsoft would develop things in isolation. Over time, however, open source code has been on the rise. Multiple companies which have the same problem have all contributed to the same code bases and gained value from the contributions of others. Notable projects include React, Next.js, etc. The same thing that happened to open source could also occur to the interoperability of services. In my mind, the main thing holding this back is insufficient infrastructure for storing this data in a decentralized and privacy conscious way, an understanding of interoperable design patterns. Once these problems are solved, it's just a matter of getting new services and startups to integrate the protocol, and then they can benefit from one another and beat the network effects of these big tech conglomerates. What should be interoperable? Aspects of this are uncharted territory. In which situations does it make sense to be interoperable? Under which conditions should it be avoided? For example, if I'm on a dating app, it makes absolutely no sense for me to be receiving messages from my friends on Discord. Does it make sense to have a shared contact list on Discord and Facebook, however? What about WhatsApp, Signal, or Messenger? It becomes even more complicated when you begin to think about the target markets which different services have. For example, do you want to be matching or receiving messages from a user on a hookup app when you're in a serious relationship app? The question then arises, is it the services you, you meet people on or connect with that should be dictating pe 
which people you can communicate with within which ecosystem? Or is it your relationship with that person that should dictate who you can communicate with? How would that be decided? Relationships are complicated and it's hard to fit people into boxes in that way. Perhaps we should tie it to communities or groups that you belong to. Shifting trust. When we use services such as Signal, when we message other people on the platform, we know that the other person is also using Signal. If a shift occurs where platforms become interoperable, as a user, you now need to be more concerned with trusting whatever services your contact is on. This information could be displayed to a user if they're currently online, but an issue arises when they check their messages on a different platform. Do you only show messages sent to platforms which the user had connected before sending the message? What if you only want to allow specific platforms that you trust to be able to receive them? All of these additional considerations impact how seamless the communications become. We could overcome this by building services on a trusted framework, similar to how many web browsers are built on Chromium. Methods of communication. Different communications platforms have a bunch of ways to communicate which aren't necessarily compatible. That being said, there seems to be a bunch of trends that are shared between them. It's transience. How long does a message last? Some messages are permanently stored. Others disappear after a certain period of, or even instantly, Snapchat, Zoom, or if an action is completed, Google Docs. How the messages are displayed also impacts how transient it feels. If you're in instant messaging chat with a large group of people, so many messages are being sent that everything gets lost in the noise. When you're in an intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation, it's less transient. Facebook posts within a group chat or threads make conversations more accessible for longer as it groups topics together. Synchronous communication. Live communication channels range from video chats and audio chats to indicators on a screen that someone is currently online, typing or looking at the same channel as you. They also expand into things like Google Docs where you can see the location of the user's cursor and what they are selecting or typing in real time. Asynchronous communication. Asynchronous communication channels allow people to bridge time. They are similar to leaving a note on a piece of paper. These include anything from scene indicators of messages sent, posts, pre-recorded videos, etc. Contextual communication. Some messages are tied to a specific context. This can range from people leaving messages on one of the elements on a profile on Hinge, to comments on a Facebook post, to creating threads tied to a particular sentences in Google Doc. This also includes things like reacts and replies to messages. Channels. Are these messages public? Are they directed, are they directly to another user? Should only people within a specific group have access to it? How do we reason about which channel should be shared across different platforms and which ones are specific to the context of the space they are in? Components. Many services have begun duplicating very similar functionality as one another, such as snaps, stories and fleets, rooms and spaces. Do we really care about the context in which these posts were made, or is it more important the group of people who have access to the content? For example, should a new service be able to be built that subscribes to stories in a context outside of Facebook? So long as the user has that, the permissions to view them, is it really up to the tech companies to dictate how users are consuming content? 
What if that new service has a similar concept to stories but functions slightly different? Maybe the length of the recording differs, so they don't support, or maybe they don't support Reacts. Is the context lost that the original poster intended if only portions of those features are displayed in another service? Cohesion of experience. As technology becomes more integrated into society, what do we lose by providing different lenses to consume our environment to other people? Some media currently feels like a cohesive space. How does that change when you know everyone on the platform is consuming that content differently? How is that different when social technology begins to overlay physical space? We may end up at a point where all the technology, all the people we see on the street appear different from what you see when you look at them. We may be in the same physical space, but receive entirely different messages or sensory input from one another. Is this a path we want to go down? Or should spaces remain as a shared experience for everyone involved? 